Welcome to the Hyatt 9 News Hour, where you will hear from cannabis industry experts and professionals from around the country talk about important topics while shining light on global issues and discussing cannabis as it relates to politics, regulation and reform, data and technology, science, research and medicine, family and parenting, art, celebrities and entertainment, fitness, sports, mental health and wellness, and plant-based medicines and entheogenics. Together, we are building a stronger community, fighting the stigma and creating change. With your hosts, Jason Beck and Rico Lamite, joined by special industry expert correspondents from around the country and daily antics brought to you by Cannabis. Coming to you live every Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific time and high noon on the East Coast. And thank you all for getting high at 9 with us. Oh, yeah. Good morning, everybody. Hope you all had a fantastic weekend. Hope you all got to see your moms and wish your moms a happy Mother's Day. Hope you guys had great times. And that's right. It is Monday now, May 15th. And today is International Family Days because, of course, you can never get too much of your mom. It's also National Chocolate Chip Day. It's bring flowers to someone day because I guess they need to do something with all those flowers that were cut that didn't get sold yesterday on Mother's Day. It's also National Nylon Stocking Day because they're not just for throwing over your face and doing bank robberies, apparently. And it's also Peace Officers Memorial Day and International Kangaroo Kangaroo Care Awareness Day, which I have no clue what that is, but... I'm willing to bet it has something to do with New York's judicial system. Thank you for joining us and getting high at nine with us. It's also high noon on the East Coast. And please remember to like, share, and subscribe to us on all social media platforms. You can use that fancy little QR code right there in the top-hand corner of your screen. And we're live every Monday through Friday on YouTube and audio only on Clubhouse. And if you are joining us in Clubhouse, you can also participate in the show by raising your hand if you have a brief comment on the story most recently presented. Also, too, make sure you utilize that Super Chat feature because when you use that Super Chat, then we actually really pay attention to your comments in the comments, and we will react and probably read them as well. But coming up first, we have the dope dad himself. That's right. It's Rico Lameet, the father of Baby Yoda, the <laughs> of Baby Yoda, and the, uh, what's that word? Uh, whatever. You know what it is. That's right. The caretaker for Baby Yoda. Coming up, it is the dope dad himself throwing out lightsabers like glow sticks. Rico Lameet. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Jason Beck doing his best, best, best job at trying to piss off the uh, Star Wars fans out there by calling him Baby Yoda instead of Grogu. It's all good, man. Baby Yoda. It's baby all day. So um, you know, I gotta get the week started off with a little bit of uh down news. <laughs> so we talk about debt and how it's been affecting the California cannabis industry. So one of the most pressing issues in California cannabis is debt and the inability for operators to both pay and collect on monies owed. Late last year, we covered a piece in Green Market Report with estimates of a six hundred million dollar debt bubble looming over the industry, which could lead to a lot of retailers not making it through the second half of 2023. Retailers continue to uh, um, 
buy inventory on credit and they end up not paying uh, paying distributors, putting the distros in a tough spot because they're left with the bill and no easy way to collect on the on whatever is owed. Well, the second half of 2023 is now weeks away and things aren't any better than they were at the end of last year. So a group of operators have decided to take action. The Credit Management Association is a nonprofit based in suburban L.A. and has been hired by a group of Golden State operators um, and uh, distributors and brands to be exact, representing more than half the state's wholesale B2B market to rate retailers in what they're calling an effort to reduce hundreds of thousands of dollars in unpaid invoices. The CMA is currently analyzing accounts receivable and other important document uh, documents uh, from more than a dozen distributors and brands and say the next step is emailing each recipient designated for its red list of 25 retailers identified for repeated failure to, uh, to pay bills on time. The red list highlights delinquent retailers and delivery and delivery services owing a minimum of $25,000 and are 90 days or more late on payments. Collectively, companies on that red list owe at least an estimated $625,000. When added to the companies not on the list, an easy estimate can be made pushing that number north of $1 million in total unpaid invoices. Retailers say that the issue, like others in cannabis, isn't as clear-cut as it seems. Operators have struggled for years to uh, to turn a profit, and most don't set out to become bad actors. So from uh, what we're seeing, for the most part, is a vicious, a vicious cycle of good-intended people falling behind on payments and struggling to claw out of debt. Sounds a lot like non-cannabis America. The CMA's first report is expected to re- uh, be released in a few weeks, and predictably, folks have mixed feelings about it. San Fran-based distri- uh, distribution giant Nabis uh, distributes about $400 million in products annually, more than 20% of the entire wholesale market. Navis also handles collections for brand con- uh, customers for a fee that it says cover the cost of carrying out that task. Founder and C- uh, co-CEO Vince Ning is spearheading the effort and said, the goal of the group is to create a bit more stability and financial structure in the supply chain. Labeling companies in the current environment can prove to be a, a tricky politically, uh, putting a lot of brands between a rock and a hard place. The unpaid invoice problem has been prevalent for years, but dramatically spiked mid last year with the decline of industry stock prices and drying up of investment capital. The article notes social equity licenses and brands and black and, Bla- and Latino owned businesses being disproportionately hit harder than their peers with most lacking capital re- reserves and resources. Everett Smith, co-founder and CEO of Presidential Cannabis, um, a member of the credit association in one of the top selling blunt and pre-roll brands in California spoke out about one client that he had in the Inland Empire that stopped answering calls after racking up 180000 in unpaid invoices. Another client of his ordered 120000 worth of product right before going out of business. The issue forced uh, the Black-owned cannabis brand to change its policy to demand payment or close its doors. But setting a, a hard line actually hurt sales of presidential, which had doubled and tripled revenue annually before last year's switch. Uh, Smith said Presidential had to stop selling to several bigger clients because they just weren't paying. Uh, some of our, uh, some of us brands have bent over backwards uh, to have our product in those stores, do whatever the stores asked us to do, and uh, then just stir, uh, string us along just doesn't seem right or fair. Uh, we don't have any investors. Every dollar counts. Gummy manufacturer Thunderstorm. Um, they've turned to collection agencies as a, as a last resort with varying success. And uh, with most taking a 20% cut minimum, the move almost always equates to a business loss. 
The other remaining option for operators is taking offenders to small claims court. The small claims filings are limited to a $5,000 court maximum. So is it even worth it? For most, the answer is no. So folks like Storm allocate $30,000 a month toward bad debt reserves to cover the cost of uncollected receivables. While business credit reports and ratings have been common in mainstream industries, they're an emerging lane in cannabis. Fitch, one of the um, three New York-based global credit union agencies, started covering cannabis growth in 2021. Along with Moody's and Standards & Poor's, S&P, um, the agencies assign letter grades to conglomerates, securities, government agencies, and even entire countries based on their ability to meet financial obligations. CMA is looking to become the gold standard to do just that in cannabis. Uh, the San Francisco Democrat Assembly member Phil Tings, the lead sponsor of Assembly Bill 766, which levies stiff penalties against operators skirting credit agreements. Um, whether or not AB 766 is passed is up in the air. Either way, the debt issue is, isn't getting any better anytime soon. And with mainstream America dealing with its own similar issues, the big picture ain't looking so pretty for California operators anytime in the near future. I'm Rico Lamite, dopest dad on the street. I'd like to hear from everybody else on this one. And the bills or not? I don't think it's wow. us. Well, there's a lot here. Thank you, first of all, for grabbing this story. This is a really important topic to discuss in the industry because it is it is something that's running rampant here. And yeah. I'm sure it's not just exclusive to California, but it is incredibly bad here. Um, and I think it's just a cyclical issue, like the article was saying, that these are not really all bad actors. These are not people who own dispensaries that are trying to get one over on brands or take advantage of people. These are genuinely people who are like, okay, I'm kickstarting my business. I have had a two year long runway before I could even start operations, which ate up all the money that I did raise to put my business together. And now I need inventory to get my store up off the ground. So I'm going to work out some kind of terms arrangement and then I'm going to not have enough money to market properly. And so my product's not going to move as fast. And it's just like this whole shit storm. I'm sorry. We're past 10 minutes. <laughs> it's a whole storm of, of, you know, not so perfect elements that's creating an absolute nightmare for everybody. And, and also it's really important to also understand the fact that because of how much it costs to distribute a product, that the distros have very small margins out of all of the lanes in California, they have the smallest margins. So they're them and the brands are constantly being asked to front this cash flow to help get the retailers moving. And it's just a really toxic circle. And at the same time, it's like the retailers I truly believe don't have bad intentions right out of the gate. It's just, you don't ever know what you're up against. And it's so impossible and scary sometimes. I mean, this has been going on since Steve D'Angelo was ripping off my friends back in 2006. Um, not all of these dispensaries, but a majority of them have been operating like pawn shops since the 215 days, undercutting farmers on their product, requesting them on front, stringing them along and not paying them. So this isn't anything new. And, and honestly, even before the 215... Even before the 215 game, this was happening back in the good old days. Like, people would ask me if I like front of weed to go run around the corner. I'd be like, look, I got a master's degree in, from Don't Front Weed University. And the reason I say that is because that's how much money I spent on front weed to people before I figured it out. <laughs> and I just say, I don't want a PhD. So, like, either give me some money or go somewhere else. And and now in the legal game, we're just having to re-sift and re-distill the entire playing field as to who pays their bills and who doesn't. 
So it's just going to be a painful process for us all. You have a buddy who says that he doesn't like to front any weed because he likes the people that he deals with. Way <laughs> That's a good way to go, man. People are just ain't listening to the Ten Crack Commandments. Goddamn credit. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I'm surprised that there's not like some one of these like big conglomerate agencies coming in to buy all of this bad all debt. Yeah, to buy all this bad debt um, and and get it off of people's balance sheets. So then that way these businesses can kind of almost get like a fresh start. And maybe yeah. there be a grant program from the state. They're probably scared because a lot of those type of companies are, are governed by the SEC and that's federal. Yeah. And so they'd be buying basically criminal cartel drug debt, according to the federal government. They could probably do it through a shell company like a lot of these big conglomerates uh, were doing prior to 2017, 2018. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, they can do it. They can. I'm, I'm not. Yeah, they, they can totally do it. They just haven't. Yet. Right. I don't know. <clears throat> I don't see this problem going away anytime soon. It is definitely important to report any bad actors. I remember, <clears throat> I think it was last year, one of the distribution companies, one of the larger ones, I can't remember if it was Navis or Herbal, I, I don't remember <clears throat> who, but they sent out basically their company's blacklist of dispensaries. And they basically said, if you're on this list, not only are we not serving you for any of the brands on our shelves, but we're also going to be sending you to collections. And right. I mean, this is, this is the situation at hand. We have to pay our bills. And if for some weird reason you're in a position as a retail operator and you can't pay it in full contact your distro and work out a payment plan, don't just ignore them, right? They're business operators too. They tried to help you. So work with them. Yeah, yeah. Just, we are um, like like I said, we're we're nearing the second half of the year, and uh, certain people in the industry um, turn off my damn lights. Just turn on uh, certain people in the industry that called that out towards the end of last year. They said uh, second half of twenty twenty three is going to be a bloodbath because distros aren't getting paid, and um, motherfuckers going to come with that stick. Well, <laughs> and you know when you go to your retail store and you start to see that there's a shortage of supplies on the shelf, you can probably assume that that's one of those stores that's not paying their bills. You wonder, I mean, you wonder like how many of these retailers, the ones who are charging how many thousands of dollars a month for, uh, for slotting fees. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh. Slotting fees and then still not paying. I can't get still it. Not paying, right? I can't get it at all. Well, maybe they're slotting fees. They're just trading for product. We got to go for a commercial. We're going to be right so, back. Oh, yeah. You know what time it is. That's right. It's Tuesday over here at Green Street, and we got Smoky Vanilla with us in the building. So that's right. It is time to stretch and smoke. We just got done smoking. Now we're going to stretch it out, and then we're going to smoke again. Let's go. I'm Smoky Vanilla with my background in kinesiology and bodywork massage and assisted stretching. You got to come check it out, baby. Check me out on IG at Smoky Vanilla One Stretch and Smoke, Twitter Smoky Vanilla, Social Club Stretch and Smoke, or also on Sports Recovery by Dan and Jam. If you want to feel as good as I look, then make sure that you get a stretch and smoke in with Smoky Vanilla. Yee. Yee. You know, before we jump, can I just say, I, I want to just read one of the comments that Nick Bradley put in, in the side here, which I don't disagree with. And that is that the state should just eliminate 
the, the middleman here. The distro doesn't need to exist. Almost every single brand has its own distro license and is fully capable of transporting and fulfilling its own orders. It's a silly, silly thing that we have to go through a distro, in my opinion. That's a hot take of the day. Mm-hmm. Lots of distros out there wouldn't like that. <laughs> but you know what? When he's not getting stretched out by smoky vanilla, and he's not up north judging the finest weed in all of the land. You can catch Hyatt Nine's head honcho here with us. This is like a, this is Monday morning. I can't wait to hear what he has to say. You know who it is, Jason Beck. What you got for us today, my man? Oh man, I hope everybody had a great time at the Emerald Cup, and congratulations to all the winners, all that fire, fire weed that took home some awards. Oh yeah, but guess what? So this is something that I've been talking to people about for a number of years and i've done a number of social media posts over the years encouraging this when i actually walk through this place and gretchen it's right in your backyard because a congresswoman wants marijuana plants displayed at the u.s botanic garden oh, oh yeah that's right yes. ellen holmes norton democrat who represents Washington, D.C. in the House of Representatives, wants marijuana plants to be featured in the U.S. Botanic Garden. In a quote, as this country moves towards legalizing cannabis, I asked the Botanic Garden to display marijuana plants for the first time, especially given its impact on the economy, Norton said in a tweet. She added that this that this at that she added that this ask follows an earlier request for the garden to display hemp, which she's pleased it now does. Aren't they both the same thing, though? In a letter to the Botanic Gardens Executive Director, Susan Pell, Norton noted that the House has passed a number of bills in recent years that would have legalized the drug. In a quote, as individual states and the country as a whole are moving toward the legalization of marijuana, having a display with male and female marijuana plants would be a historic opportunity to highlight the impact of marijuana on American society and especially the American economy, Norton said in a press release about the letter. Adult-use cannabis is now legalized in nearly half of the U.S. states and in D.C. Uh, Voters in Maryland and Missouri approved adult-use cannabis during last year's midterms, while voters in Arkansas, North Dakota, and South Dakota shot the move down. In the letter to the Botanic Garden, Norton also requested a response in writing by May 24th. So we'll see if she's going to get that back. But I'll tell you what, I have been all about having cannabis in the Botanical Garden. And I'm not sure about having male plants in the Botanical Garden. I think they should just have female plants. But I'm going to digress and see what you guys have to say about having all these plants with all these other plants and what kind of bugs are going to spew in there, you guys. Is this going to be a pesticide nightmare? What do y'all think? This is Jason Beck for High at Nine News. I think this is very interesting. I mean, I would love to see it. Dumbest, dumbest, dumbest (laughs) thing I've ever heard of. And if Dale were here, Dale would say this is exactly what the botanical gardens are going to tell her to do. Go piss up a rope. They do not care. They are never going to do this. And why Eleanor Holmes Norton can't even vote. Screw her. They don't care. Not happening. Not. It's just going to be an acknowledgement of the federal government's support of cannabis, which they will not do. 
No. If anything, at best, it would be a hemp Dumb. plant, right? It's not going to be a full THC, Dumb. like uh, hemp plant already Dumb. in the- Is it again? <laughs> one more, one more time, Dumb. Gretchen. <laughs> this is what we waste our taxpayer dollars and time on. Bullshit. Dumb bullshit. I think it'd be amazing to have. Repair. I think it would be cool to see. <laughs> I Dumb. think it would be cool to see. You oh, want to go see some hemp? Cool. Just go down the river to Mount Vernon. They do grow hemp at George Washington's uh, plantation. You can go see it there if you want to go see it. It's George, not that far away. George Washington. I feel like it's appropriate, seeing as how it's grows, be one that, of the largest cash-producing crops in the globe. Dumb. It seems kind of dumb not. <laughs> Once again, exchange on his property annually back there at Mount Vernon. You know that, Gretchen? Did you ever go? I, I, I am a member of the Ladies Women's Society of Mount Vernon, mm-hmm. and I happily support their growing of hemp. I don't yeah. know what the hell you're talking about, but I can tell you that what they're trying to get done at the Botanical Gardens is dumb. Are the people who grow the hemp on that on that property are they still of color? Uh, no, they are uh, rich white ladies who <laughs> like to volunteer plantation. their time. <laughs> mm-hmm. You're identifying as a rich white ladies. Of, no, I I don't volunteer my time. I ain't got time for that. <laughs> I, I'm not a lady that lunches. I wish that's the dream. <laughs> Oh, one day, one day, be. one day, a lady that lunches. <laughs> that's my goal. That's the goal. A lady that lunches. Is there a definition to that? Like, is it? Is that it? The lady it. lunches. A lady okay. that lunches. Got it. <laughs> no work. You just lunch. You just go and hang out with your girlfriend, sip tea with your spend, spend, mm-hmm. spend your man's Talk money. About whatever. Spend anybody's money. Let's yeah. Do it. Yeah. For all you trolls out there who are looking for a little sugar baby, here I am. I would like to be a lady that lunches. Yeah. For a sponsor, everybody. Lady of the lunch. I'd go see the plants at uh, the botanical. I'd go check it out. You would check that out, Chris? Yeah. Yeah, why not? I just wonder, like, would they have, if they had plants in there, would they have them flowering out? You know what I mean? No, they couldn't. Leave them in a vegetative state their entire time. And like, because because yeah. there, there's a there's a life cycle to these plants. Like, you can't just like leave yeah. them in bed forever. No, and they, ever. they'd have to constantly be rotating them out. So that means they'd have to have a separate nursery to mm-hmm. supply all the plants for the botanical garden. Mm-hmm. But get you a lady that lunches and a man that munches. I do. I do agree. <laughs> with you. I do not think that this is this is realistic with the federal government stance on on cannabis currently. We would have Dumb. to have legalization. Happen, but I do not think Gretchen. it's a dumb idea. I think this is a revolutionary idea. This, this is not revolutionary. She's done this like every year. She says, "Give me a hemp plant or a cannabis plant." And every year they tell her she's dumb. Go piss up a rope. This well, is not new. The first time, first time we've covered it here at High and Nine News. Oh, well, fantastic. Uh, I like, I like uh, Ingrid. call it lunch and munch. <laughs> dumb. I love lunch it. Lunch. Lunch. Gretchen, yeah. what do you think about the? Uh, what do you think about the the cannabis uh, college in Amsterdam displaying plants in different stages of cultivation? Somebody, uh, Nick, in our in our comments, put that in there. Thanks, Nick. What do you think about that, though, Gretchen? They can do it. I don't care. Doesn't bother me at all. Crazy Dutch. They do whatever they want. Gretchen but... is spicy this morning. I love it. 
I was actually, I wasn't even trying to fuel. I was literally just wanted to know what Gretchen yeah. thought about that comment. <laughs> that was it. I didn't mean anything by it. A yeah. friendly fire. I'm going Good back stop. on mute. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> My my point my point behind the whole thing being dumb is number one we know what the answer is number two why are you wasting your time actually do something in Congress come on drum well truth First to part, that most do anything in Congress. well in a way all of this is steps towards getting people to acknowledge this plant's existence and importance how many people do you think are going to acknowledge cannabis's existence by the three tourists who go to the National Botanical Gardens every bit of education is helpful. Dumb. It sounds like Gretchen is on a anti-inclusion uh, tirade this morning. <laughs> she only she only likes flowers. She doesn't like plants. Next. <sighs> dumb. Coming up next. That's right. She's not so dumb, but she is the redheaded, feisty, redheaded conservative that loves to tell Rico all about himself. And always notate when the backpedaling is going on. That's right. She loves to dress her dogs up in fancy outfits that PETA would probably probably take her pets for. But nonetheless, she's the founder of Panoptic Strategies and her very own little Washington insider. That's right. Coming up next is none other than the Gretchen Gailey. Good afternoon. Well, my headline, I must be hungry today because my headline is Queen Village Pizzeria. That adds cannabis to pies is shut down. Uh, so there will be no ladies at lunching in this place. Uh, Philadelphia authorities say they have shut down a Queen Village pizzeria that puts cannabis in its food and beverages. A joint inspection conducted by the city's licenses and inspections and health departments on Friday found that Stoned Pizzeria, a New York City-based pizza chain that opened a location earlier in May at 5th and Bainbridge Streets, lacked a business license and health certificate. Three uniformed police officers accompanied inspectors as they examined the business, which is guarded by a security guard. Stone was attempting to fulfill two-go orders while the inspection occurred, including one that had a pre-roll joint, per an Inquirer reporter at the scene. The restaurant was instructed to cease operations at 6.35 p.m. on Friday, but General Manager Luke Weatherhold offered conflicting information about the entity that had taken over the former location of adjoining, adjoining restaurants Ali and Gigi. First, Weatherhold claimed that the business wasn't a restaurant at all, but a fully operational event space called South Street Events. Then he claimed nothing was operating at all. We haven't opened yet, so how can we get shut down? Weatherhold told inspectors that South Street Events was owned by Chris Barrett, the same man who launched Stone Pizza in 2017. Barrett, who goes by the nickname Pizza Pusha online, operates three stone locations in Manhattan and Brooklyn, apparently with little pushback. New York legalized marijuana in 2021, but dispensaries and other cannabis concepts have been slowed to open. Beleaguered by licensing issues and high startup costs, the sale and possession of marijuana is still illegal in Pennsylvania, but was decriminalized in Philadelphia in 2014, meaning that small amounts of weed will not result in a criminal offense. Barrett could not be immediately reached for comment. It was not clear Friday what steps the restaurant could attempt to reopen. Word had spread through the Queen Village over the last few weeks about the business, which operates behind thick gray curtains. Kate Allen, president of the Queen Village Neighborhood Association, said she learned about Stoned in a whisper-down-the-lane manner from neighbors who had walked past the storefront, confused about the activity coming from what they assumed was a set of closed restaurants. 
Stone's Philadelphia location, like its other, operates like a speakeasy. There's no sign outside and customers are texted the address after paying for reservations by using the app. Inside, the pizzeria is decorated with an Instagrammable neon sign that reads, Either light up or leave me alone. A mural of drawn hearts and the restaurant's named cap by a SEPTA logo and wooden tables lit with candles. The soundtrack thumps with decades-old Eminem, Tupac, Jay-Z, and 50 Cent. Allen said her concerns with the restaurant are twofold. The flouting of the rules is what really concerns me. But I also want to encourage bars and restaurants that attract residents, not tourists. Residents are not attracted to cannabis businesses. Allen said she contacted the South Street Head House District and various city officials, including District 1 Council Member Mark Sakia, to elevate her concerns about Stone. Together, she said, the Queen Village Neighborhood Association, the Head House District, the Society Hill Nip, Neighborhood Association and Bella Vista Neighborhood Association have asked for a change to South Street's zoning overlay that would ban smoking lounges such as cigar bars, hookah bars, and presumably pop pizza shops from opening. A hearing on the ban is set for next week. Based on its social media and a visit by an Inquirer reporter, Stoned offered the same experience in Philadelphia as it does in New York, a fixed-price meal at $120 a person that includes pizza, salad, lollipop chicken, garlic knots, cannoli, sorbet, and sodas, all of which they get an additional of oils containing THC, the mind-altering ingredient in cannabis. All guests must be 21 or over per Stone's website, which also advertises that a variety of edibles, concentrates, and flour are available for purchase upon arrival, including fruit juice and a $150 cigar-sized spliff called The Godfather. Waiters can describe the amount of THC in each item, which ranges from 25 milligrams in a garlic knot to 40 milligrams in each slice of thick-crusted rectangular pizza. Customers may eat and drink all they want in their two-and-a-half-hour stay, but can't take out leftovers. Barrett, the owner and pizza pusher, wrote on his website that he experienced a light bulb moment during a cannabis dinner in California in 2015. In 2016, he threw his first cannabis dinner at a townhouse and offered guests a late-night snack of cannabis-infused pizza. Since then, Barrett has claimed his pizza parties and restaurants have never been shut down by law enforcement, even when they were operating illegally. I've never been hiding. They're going to get me for the pizza. Uh, I like this story. I just think it's stupid. Uh, another dumb story. Why not? Uh, but I think this guy should put all his efforts into his New York efforts. Uh, he's just looking to get shut down in Philadelphia. I don't know what he was thinking there. Uh, but trust me, the Society Hill... Uh, group is not going to have this in their neighborhood trust me uh this is gretchen for high at nine news i'm just shocked that there's actually enforcement on anything going on in philadelphia from all the news reports i've seen philadelphia well if society hills get behind it if for those unfamiliar with philadelphia they are pretty hoity-toity and if they're bitching you're gonna get shut down they're bitching I mean, somebody's snitching what this guy needs to do is well, I want to go to this. Rico, Rico. <laughs> I, I want to visit Stones. Well, you can go to three these, chains in uh, New York, Mandy. They're available. These kind of places should be allowed to exist. They really ought to, or dispensaries ought to be allowed to create this sort of product inside their. Store. See, I don't. I don't think these places should be should should be existing like this. I think this is this is deeming to the health department standards and a whole bunch of different health violations. And I mean, but you know where he could operate at that he would totally be under uh, under the radar and able to operate is in Washington, D.C., right in your backyard. He could hide under the I-71 auspice. He wouldn't be. Mm, uh, he would be I don't know. But he didn't. If you paid attention, 
at the beginning of the story, they shut him down because of uh, he didn't have a business license or a health certificate. They didn't shut him down for pot. No, they actually did. In another article, um, it, it, it read that they actually did shut him down for pot because they went in there and they Where? found a jar. There was another article that I that I read that was about the story. I read it on Sunday, and they and it referenced that they found a a jar of distillate, and that's when they moved to close him down. And then uh, that and then man that's doesn't have a health license or a health certificate. I think you're going to shut down. I I, <laughs> yeah. I agree with that. No I'm matter not, what city it, you're in. Again, again, my point, they are not shutting down anyone for doing any kind of crime in Philadelphia right now. So why are they bothering this guy? Why? Because why because Society Hill called him. What do you mean? Well, Society Hill needs to be calling on people that are committing real, real crime because they got real, real crime out there. Well, Rico like said that they were snitching, but I, I think clearly, Rico, uh, somebody was whispering down the lane. Okay. They were whispering down the lane. I like that. The whispering eye. <laughs> that sounds a lot like snitching. <laughs> well, I'm going to be in New York in a couple of weeks for CWCB Expo, so I'm going to find the stone pizza and I will report back. Even though I don't consume, we'll see what happens. I wonder if they have a, I wonder if they have a basement in that pizzeria. Stop it, Rico. <laughs> We're going to go to the commercial. We're going to be right back. Thank you for that, Gretchen. Lovely pizza. I'm hungry. Keeping up to date on the evolving policies of relevant state, local, and federal governments is key to success. When the future of your business is at stake, you need representation as dedicated as you are. With a maze of laws and regulations surrounding cannabis, hemp, and psychedelics, knowing where to begin can be a challenge. Good thing the law offices of Omar Figueroa features a skilled, highly focused team ready to guide you through it all. They're accepting new clients in California and New York. So make sure you check them out at info at omarfigueroa.com. Oh, yes. Thank you all for tuning in and enjoying High at Nine News with all of us. Make sure you hit that like button. Make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already. And make sure you head over to our website, www.hyatnine.news.com. Make sure you hit that subscribe button to our newsletter. You will also get an email in your inbox confirming your subscription that you must hit. And oftentimes it does go in your spam or your junk mail. Uh, so make sure that you are aware of that. Also, too, if you want us to really pay attention to your comments, make sure you make them a super chat, and we will make sure that we really pay attention to you. Literally pay attention to you. Thank you. Control Tower from Highly Educated has perfected the dab. Utilizing the concept of thin film evaporation, you can waste none of it and taste all of it. The micro texture of the SE pillar increases nucleation at elevated temperatures. And with the tower propelling at 2600 RPMs, it's certainly the most efficient dab experience to date. The Control Tower from Highly Educated. Oh, yeah. He's an immortal cannabis wizard with a PhD in tripping balls and co-host of the only podcast legally cleared to tell you exactly what's good. Come to the stage next, Matthew St. Germain. Thank you, Brother Rico, and happy Monday, everybody. I've got some more uh, promising psychedelic news. I've really been diving into the psychedelic news because there's just it's such a deep and, and, and fruitful well right now. Ohio State University receives DEA license to grow psychedelic mushrooms for research. Bam. Ohio State University is about to grow psychedelic mushrooms. 
Ohio State, alongside the mental health and wellness research and development company Interstate Incorporated, was awarded the first ever license by the U.S. Drug Enforcement Agency to an American university to grow whole psilocybin mushrooms. Normally, they use an extract or a synthetic version of the molecule. The mushrooms will be used in the study of mental health treatment capabilities with naturally grown psychedelic mushrooms. This license is a major milestone not only for Interstate and Ohio State, but for the entire field of psychedelic research. Uh, Interstate CEO Ashley Wall said Wednesday in a news release. The license allows Ohio State and Interstate to cultivate psil- uh, psilocybin mushrooms for research purposes only. All research will be conducted in a federally sanctioned and secured grow house in accordance with strict DEA regulations and guidelines. By combining cutting-edge techniques in genomics and metabolomics, we have the opportunity to, opportunity to obtain a high-resolution picture of the chemical diversity of mushrooms that have remained difficult to study for several decades. Due to its classification as a Schedule One drug, research into whole psilocybin mushrooms has been heavily restricted in the U.S. There is a growing movement, however, to research the potential that whole mushrooms have on improving mental health. Oregon voted to become the first state to allow adult use of these mushrooms in 2020, though they officially became legal for use this January. Research suggests that psilocybin, the, act, the main active ingredient, usually taken in pill form, has a potential to treat a variety of mental health issues, including post-traumatic stress disorder, depression, anxiety, and addiction. One potential of these mushrooms is that it contains psilocybin and other compounds that may have additional therapeutic benefits. Walsh said it's possible that psilocybin mushrooms have multidimensional healing properties that could further improve quality of life for those with severe illness and mental health issues. Now, this is really uh, exciting because not only are they growing these mushrooms, and and we can dive into that, but this type of an approach shows uh, promise for whole cannabis plant extracts as well as ayahuasca and ibogaine, uh, iboga as medicine um, because they're allowing and starting to understand that there's a fuller Uh, amount of benefits. Last thing with mushrooms, this is great because you have terpenes and all of the different and uh, alkaloids um, and all of these other substances, but you also have uh, polysaccharides and polysaccharides are incredibly complex sugar molecules and they um, help us to heal from cancers. They upregulate our immune system. They do super amazing stuff. The main immuno boosting chemical they give chemotherapy patients is called Crestin with a K and it's polysaccharide K and it was first discovered in shiitake mushrooms. Uh, I'm Matthew St. Germain for uh, the Hyatt 9 News on a Monday. Uh, take it away, guys. Down in Ohio. Swag like Ohio. <laughs> oh, boy. Ohio, Ohio, Ohio. The Buckeye thing is now specializing in mushrooms, huh? I think, I think this is a great thing, and I think uh, more universities need to be following suit. Um I mean, before in the early what? You only think it's great because it's a university doing it. Yes, I do. Uh, Why shouldn't Why shouldn't our institutions of higher education be embracing these? The Ohio State University. The. My good lord. I think I think it's uh, Michigan's move now. You know, Michigan has to. (laughs) Whatever. I I went to state to the north. You meant the state to the north. (laughs) Yes. I'm so confused. <laughs> and, and football jokes, Sorry. Gretchen. Football jokes. I, I was yeah, in the Big right. Ten. I went to Penn State, and I don't know what the hell y'all are referring to. Yeah, because uh, your mascot is uh, a Nittany. There's lion nothing wrong with a Nittany feathers. lion. What, what's Northwesterns? What are y'all? The Wildcats. <laughs> nothing. So what's Chico State, Rico? We have more in common. We have even more in common now. What yeah, man, my brother, my brother to the mouth. Personally, <laughs> all right. I'm, I'm sorry, Mandy. I just want to actually. All right, go yeah. for it. 
No, I was, I was just, just saying, I'm say, really excited yeah. about the fact that we can see these universities getting the opportunity to do research for us. I mean, we have so much to learn, so much to learn. We don't have time to waste. So the more that we can get on board with doing research on all of these different plants, the better. Yeah. And it just really opens up again that the biggest difficulty with universities has been the federal illegality and the difficulty. Whoa, the difficulty in getting uh, federal okay and funding. So this is really like a gateway to opening up a lot more studies in universities. And the thing that's cool about universities is university-funded studies lead to peer-reviewed journals. Peer-reviewed journals lead to altering scientific consensus. Once scientific consensus is altered that these substances are as they are, which is non-toxic and amazingly beneficial to humans, then that paves the way for FDA approval. And for instance, uh, MDMA, the active ingredient in the, you know, the drug called ecstasy, is in phase three FDA trials. It's about to pass phase three FDA trials and then will be on track for being uh, rescheduled to at least schedule two and prescription legal for therapists to prescribe for talk therapy. Which so, will all be made by a pharmaceutical industry. It, it, it will, and here's the thing: like if you're if you're eating mushrooms that you're picking, or you're growing weed that's that's grown outside, you can be fairly safe. But the moment you're taking a a, a powder drug, a crystalline drug, unless you know the chemist, you're risking fentanyl overdose. Yep. You're risking garbage psychedelics. You're risking risking cancer cancer causing admixtures. Oftentimes with psychedelics, there's a clean way to start with clean source chemicals and get to the psychedelic you want. There's also a way to start with cheaper admixtures and different substitute chemicals and get something very close to what you want for far less money that most people don't have a you know chromatography or other ways to understand that it's not the same thing or chemically pure. And so you could be buying something that has cancerous garbage psychedelic admixtures in it. And so when it comes to any type of synthetic drug, it's, it's far better that there's government controls and, and their pharmaceutical companies are making it, in my well, opinion. And Either way, what I was trying to say before y'all went down the ridiculous football track, whatever that bullshit was, um, <laughs> is this legitimizes. This is what we need. I yes. mean, this is what lawmakers will look to. They believe Ohio State. They believe Johns Hopkins. They believe yes. these universities are doing things. And, and instead of us just putting out our own studies, which we have many wonderful, valid researchers in this space, but I guarantee you, when you put a accredited university next to their research and what they're doing and these folks partner up that's when they're taken seriously and so we need more of this yeah agree and gretchen do you think that that would carve or at least carve out a, a more more significant path for folks within the industry to conduct um tests and have those be accepted under the same circumstances generally sure hundred percent i also agree Interesting. Look at that. You two agree. How cute. Eat All mushrooms, right. you guys. Everybody. I'm going back Eat mushrooms. You, going back you, feel, you feel left out, Jason? Because <laughs> nobody's agreeing with you. Cops and conservatives yeah. agreeing on mushrooms. I wasn't going to bet on it. I was not going to bet on it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. We're going to come. We're going to go to a commercial. We're going to be right back. Thank you for that, Matthew. Yes. How's it going guys? Saman Razani coming to you from Green Street here with Jason Beck smoking on the best weed in the world. Did you know that we have an audio only version of our podcast available on Apple, Google, Amazon, iHeartRadio and Spotify? Tune in now and check it out. Oh yeah, coming up next, that's right. Is the former 
narcotics detective that decided to retire to come into the cannabis space to help us all be more secure and protect ourselves from the rabid street thugs that he knows is out there patrolling our streets as well. That's right. He's the founder of CCC Security Solutions, and he's here to create a safer space for you. That's right. It is Chris Eggers. Jason, thank you. Happy Monday. Happy belated Mother's Day to to the mothers out there. We appreciate every single one of you. Um, Jason, I didn't retire. I quit. Big difference, but that's okay. That's the that's same okay. thing. Same I, thing. I, I, okay. okay. Get him, my, Get him, I'm, I'm just, I'm sorry. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm <laughs> uh, okay, so my article comes out of the Iowa Gazette. State finds Iowa Cannabis Cove for delays in making medical marijuana products out of Iowa City. So Iowa regulators have fined Iowa Cannabis Co. a thousand bucks for failing to meet a second deadline for producing and delivering medical marijuana products. A new timeline submitted by the company says it'll have uh, harvest its first crop of uh, for an Iowa City production facility in December and have products ready to sell by January. And that's where they left off. And now a little bit more about uh, this company's license to manufacture medical cannabis products in Iowa was first approved to develop a facility in Cedar Rapids. We got state permission in 2021 to move to Iowa City. Now, the Iowa Department of Health and Human Services grants an extension to June 1, 2022 for the firm to deliver its products to Iowa's five dispensaries. Iowa Cannabis has dispensaries in Waterloo, Council Bus, and Iowa City. Um, two other state-licensed dispensaries in, in uh, Sioux City and Windsor Heights, uh, are also owned by a, a different company out of Des Moines, and they're going to talk about them in just a second. Uh, but the owners of, of this uh, guess the company would spend about $10 million to adopt a 120,000 square foot former ACT warehouse in Iowa City into a facility where employees would grow marijuana plants and process them into products for Iowa's medical uh, according to the article, I want to say this medical pot program. The company is leasing the water, uh, the warehouse currently. So what's happened since? Well, the owner said that last year, Iowa Cannabis Co. would have uh, ready in the first quarter of 2023. But when the Health and Human Services staff made a scheduled visit to the plant on November 7th, it was clear that the company wasn't going to meet that deadline. Now, uh, Services Deputy Director Sarah Reisetter, um, said, quote, on this visit, the department discovered that none of the milestones contained uh, on May 2022 requested had been completed or delivered. And so the fine came down $1,000. Now, the Gazette reached out to the owners to explain why the production has been delayed, but they did not request a comment uh, or return a call for an interview. Buds and Mary the state's other licensed manufacturer recently completed a $10 million expansion to their Des Moines fa uh, factoring site. Um, fold and create at least 20. New so this company also had a contract with the state and didn't miss any deadlines. So they didn't get fined. Just the one company did. Uh, the headline is what stuck out to me. Uh, so I wanted to share it today. Happy Monday, everybody. Thanks for letting me share. Curious what you guys have to say. Is this a, a trend? Is this going only going to land in certain states? And um, how did this come to be? My name's Chris Evers. Thanks for letting me contribute today. I mean, it's 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 not uncommon for states to have you have to be operational by this point. I mean, even even West Hollywood with their licenses uh, give gives um, operators to say that you have X, X number of days for you to, um, activate your license and actually be operational. 
because they don't want these licenses just to remain dormant and people just to sit on them um, in hopes of some big financial payout and not having to actually do any of the work. Yeah, there's a long list of people waiting to get a hold of a license and they're just waiting to see if somebody doesn't actually activate theirs. Um, they're definitely, this is very common. What do we, do we think know? about the fine? Yeah, I was about to ask, how much was their fine, Chris? Do we know? Thousand dollars. Thousand dollars? Peanuts. That's nothing. Yeah. They yeah, they should be made to actually turn it back in after a certain amount of time because, like I said, there's plenty of people out there that are ready with money and ready to go. A thousand dollar fine is, is so, 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 but I will say this, I will say this, if you are a struggling uh, business and just uh, starting up, start up, you know, a thousand dollars definitely can be a lot of money to a new struggling business. So I do want to be uh, somewhat sensitive if this business is having some financial situation is part, is part of the reason for their, I don't, I'm not quite, quite sure on that. A twite like that. White, white, torn up right now, man. I don't know how I feel about it yet. All right, it's white. <laughs> well, obviously, obviously, you don't feel some sort of way. So whatever, you can you can feel like that later after you figure it out. I don't have many feelings, dude. I don't have many feelings. Numb. I bet. What do you think about this, Gretchen? You think a thousand dollar fine is appropriate for not producing weed? No. <laughs> You with us, Go Gretchen? Ahead. I'm Hi, here. I'm thinking Nothing. about it. I'm, You're thinking I'm, about it. You're I'm assessing it. You're assessing it. You're just like, like license squatting. I mean, I mean, I, I just know Iowa. Like they, they, they need money. They're a small state, so I just think their fines should be higher. I think it should be higher if they're not doing anything. If they're actively building and taking significant steps towards opening, like. I think it could be a case by case basis. I mean, we're not talking about hundreds of thousands of licenses out there, but if you're doing much and it's been two years and you're significantly, you know, far from the finish line. I don't Mandy, know. Mandy, there's. I mean, shouldn't they be able to just shut people down and take back the license if they're not doing the work? Well, yes, yes and no, because think about it. If you are a license holder and your business has had issues with like during COVID, for example, when there was sure. all kinds of issues getting supplies to the supply. Yeah, but let's not talk about a pandemic. Let's talk about real life. I mean, right. if if the if it says you get a license and like Jason said, a number of states have these provisions, be up and running in 18 months or whatever, and you don't do it, why don't they have the right to take back the license instead of just like fine? I, said, I, I think that it, there should be something in there that would actually state that. But at the same time, each situation should also be looked at on its own merit because there's different dynamics that you may or may not be privy to. Maybe there's a building that has some really hardcore, unexpected improvements that they have to do before they can open. Eh, you know? I don't buy it because this is this is what keeps markets from getting up and running. It's reality. This is happening. Yeah. It's happening. 100%. Yeah. That 100% happens all of a sudden. All the time, especially when you're buying historic buildings or leasing space yeah. in historic buildings. Yeah. Absolutely. One of the biggest things I've I've seen is is the cannabis side of the licensing is ready to move, but the the uh, the civil side, the CPU, the conditional use permit, and and sure. the the ba all those permits that come from the normal process, those are are staggered out by months, and it's like where we are, we're building a cultivation. We needed to make a firewall, and it's 
a layer of drywall, of fire drywall going one direction, then we stucco it, then a layer going the other direction, then we stucco it, and it's about five layers on, on each side because it's a really thick cement wall. You put up one layer of drywall. Well, you put up the frame. The guy comes. That takes two weeks. You put up one layer of drywall. The guy comes. That takes like a week to three weeks. You put up the next layer of drywall, and it's like that for each part of this process. And, and while I understand it's why our buildings don't collapse on us and kill us like they do in other countries when there's earthquakes and stuff, at the same time, it strings out this process to where you think, my friends thought they were going to have their licenses in February, and here we are in May, and it looks like we're going to have our licensure in July. I get it. I get building delays and yada yada and all that jazz. Um, I mean, look at New York. All these people, they've granted how many licenses, and these folks are going nowhere because... Well, but they're going, they're so going they nowhere on get... paper, but if you visit them, they might be, they might be no, actively no, no. building I'm, out. I'm refer- I'm, well, I'm referring to a number of these folks who were, especially the social equity applicants, who were waiting on a particular fund. Or like yes. in L.A. years ago when, you know, they all were issued licenses and had to wait three more years because the state sucked. I get that. I understand that. Um, but if you are showing no activity, no movement, Agreed. no progress. Yeah. yeah. Take it away. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. If you're saying, just camping how, on it, it dude. It, exactly. But if, if, but if it's like, I want to be in this specific wonderful location and I can't get basis. in there for two years, well, yeah. move on. Find a new location. Find a new location. I'm with you, Gretchen. Or at I'm least find something that. to for, for that two years operate. Because there's not a lot of licenses that are given out in this place. That's yeah. for sure. Yeah. You ready, Rico? We're going to move to the next story. Keep it moving. Yeah. <laughs> I just like, I love the back and forth today, man. It's just like very, very lively. You ask me. That's why we do what we do. But coming up next, y'all know who it is. It is the woman also known as Carmen Sacramento, where she travels the globe looking for the industry's greatest edibles above and underground. And she is uh, well known for teaching everybody that, you know, motherhood and cannabis, executive. She, Executive viewership go well together. Y'all know who it is, Mandy Tingler. What's up, Mandy? Welcome back. You're on mute, Mandy. Sorry about that. I had dogs barking in the background, so I had to mute for a moment. But uh, as you guys know, Today's news and lots and lots of stories preceding it have, we've been hearing a lot about fentanyl. And as you know, it's been wreaking havoc in states all over the U.S. I'm actually going to be combining two stories today. Uh, The first one is actually from Fox 2 News out of St. Louis. The headline reads, local doctor seeing cases of teens consuming marijuana laced with fentanyl says, with recreational marijuana for people 21 years of age and older, now legal in Missouri, problem is problems are surfacing. Doctors are seeing cases of marijuana being mixed with fentanyl. Dr. Michael Wenzinger, a staff psychiatrist at Washington University School of Medicine, has seen a few cases where teenagers have inadvertently consumed the combination. He doesn't want to alarm people about this, but says parents need to have it on their radar. Wenzinger says, among his practice and his peers, he's seeing more kids who thought they were just smoking marijuana when drug screens showed fentanyl. The marijuana fentanyl mixture cases are very recent. Overall, marijuana use is um, up amongst teens. Doctors say the general feeling is that since it's sold in dispensaries, it's safe to consume, 
But those people are not taking into consideration what others are doing with the drug after being, being it bought from legal businesses. In other articles from Fox News, there is a headline that also reads, the most hippie town in Washington bans drugs after spike in overdoses. Uh, this town, once deemed the most hippie town in Washington, recently outlawed drug use after a spike in fentanyl overdoses that included a death of a five-year-old girl. Edwin Williams, a city council member in Bellingham, Washington, said overdoses became so commonplace in his city that one dead body was left on a bench for over 12 hours. It says a man was sitting on a curb in a parking lot with his head bowed down right out in the open, and a police officer told me that he had been dead for 12 hours, Williams told the New York Post in a report on Bellingham published Sunday. It shocked me to my core. The Bellingham City Council voted in April to make an open drug use and a, to make open drug use an arrestable crime, a decision that came two years after the Washington legislator decriminalized hard drugs in response to a decision at the state's Supreme Court. The reversal from the leaders came after a five-year-old overdosed on fentanyl in March, as well as two teenagers. The Bellingham Fire Department said it responded to more than two overdoses per day from January to April 12th, a rate nearly double that of the year prior, according to the Cascadia Daily. But at this point, the combination of COVID, the pervasiveness of fentanyl, and the state law being changed pushed everything to the limit, Williams con continued. It was just the perfect storm, and at some point, something had to be done. In 2018, the local media boasted that Bellingham in particular was named by the site only in your state as the most hippie town in Washington since then. However, casualties from drug use have spiked. You guys, as you know, this is fentanyl has been in the news. It's been everywhere. We've talked about it numerous times on this show in particular. But I was really intrigued about the commonalities that are going across the states and the different laws that are being cha changed and the way that certain municipalities are instantly um, entertaining regulation change. And when I looked at the initial that fentanyl was being added to cannabis after it leaves a dispensary, it caused me a lot of concern and I wanted to bring it up on today's show. So this is Mandy. It's Monday morning, Hi at 9 News. Let's talk about this fentanyl and weed issue one more time. I'm calling total BS on this again. Total, total, total BS. You have a bunch of kids, a doctor. First of all, the doctor didn't uh, call the cops on any of these kids because he's not saying that he that 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 he had them arrested afterwards. So therefore, uh, what what's ended up happening is is he's these kids are taking some test and maybe testing positive for both of them when they're getting their blood drawn or whatnot. But they're only admitting to smoking weed and not doing anything else that's all this really is this is just ridiculous and, and bad speculation and shame on this doctor for perpetuating reefer madness Word. shame <laughs> i don't on, why, why do we why do we dumb. believe this is happening I'm dumb. why dumb. not <laughs> you this story i get it well, that's my question why do we refuse to believe that this is a possibility because it's ridiculous. Why? Okay, that's it's not how you it's not how you do fentanyl. First of all, that's well, not how you do it. Uh, look. Either way, uh, so good old. Uh, Jay, you watched the fentanyl again, bro. 
And I'm not saying that she is the authority or the most informed whatsoever, but Senator Murkowski brought this up with uh, the FBI director in a recent hearing on the Hill, uh, suggesting that that fentanyl and cannabis are going hand in hand together up in Alaska, and it's a major problem for them. Do you think information, she is completely making this up? No, she has I don't. No think clue what she's doing. She, she she actually has no clue on this, and she's getting bad intel from from someone, probably someone like a Kevin Sabet type of individual who is a total prohibitionist. And I don't think a uh, senator makes that kind of allegation without anything from law well, enforcement me, backing me, that up. Oh, come on. The- come I, on. Uh, 100%. Man. Trust me, lawmakers. Senators say cannabis kills Stop it. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. Lawmakers, lawmakers are not the quickest. I will give you that. However, when they make claims about a crime, they have it backed up by law enforcement. They're not hearing it from a lobbyist telling them, no, oh, yes. this is a crime that's happening. From some lobbyists. I'm they're saying not- they're backing. All right. No, well, no. you, no. I actually speak to lobbyists, so I and lawmakers. Ooh, I know how this ooh. works. I'm, and I'm, no. Ooh, yeah. I, now, I know how y'all love how the police, you say they make their shit up, too. That's they do. fine. We've covered we've saying, three or four stories where the police have made it up. All and they've had, I am saying that. is that this woman, I guarantee you, is taking that information from law enforcement, not from just some yeah. Kevin Sabet showing up in her office. That's all I'm saying. I'm telling you. Is law enfo- mm-hmm. I, I would love to ask the former law enforcement officer here if he has ever come across this sort of thing. Fentanyl I, and I agree. Was that ever an issue? Um, in specific thing, cannabis, I mean, I would say, yeah, we, we've talked, on the, talked about this a couple times that Law enforcement data is uh, skewed. skewed. <laughs> I think it's probably yeah, isn't it isn't it ironic that you and I talk in the same language? The people actually <laughs> talk to these people skewed. I know that word. They're skewed. That means it's not true. It's know. fabricated. They they pile know. on. And, and one thing law enforcement is really good at is is skewing the data in a way that fits exactly. You know, narrative. Exactly. Yeah. Fit in the narrative. Exactly yeah. like yeah. Fit that narrative. Total yeah. total fake news propaganda. And okay. we need, <laughs> and we need to be letting our lawmakers know that this is total BS because you don't do fentanyl like that. Okay, well, Skewer I manure. would love for you to go and tell lawmakers that's not how you do drugs. This is how I you will. do drugs. That's really going to help our argument. I mean, it's true. Uh, it would be like in Maryland, you can just, like smoke and joke in front of the cops. So that's how America should be. Yeah. But you know what? Thank you all out there for tuning in with us. A very spicy Monday edition here. Another episode of High Nine News. You can always catch us weekdays, 9 a.m. Pacific, high noon on the East Coast. Big shout out to our super fans showing love and getting their thoughts and comments projected out there on the big screen. Our live audience members, online supporters across all platforms tuning in and giving us feedback on the daily headlines of chaos. Our vetted correspondent team tuning in from all over, bringing us much needed variety of perspective and your respected opinions to the conversation. To our production team, Cloud Media Partners, House of Fuego and the wonderful Jaja Simone holding things down over in Clubhouse. And you know what? We're pretty good today. Pretty good today for the most part. And uh, nothing but love going out to the haters. You know what? Put your money in. Get your shit up on the big screen. I'd love to see it. And always, Cannabis Sativa L, the reason why we show up every single day. We love you, Mary Mama. Happy Mother's Day. Happy belated Mother's Day to all the mothers out there and the mother plants, too. It is Monday, May 15th, 2023. The show is over and you've been blessed with the top industry headlines. Hope it was enough for you to put in your pipe and smoke at least until tomorrow. Y'all know who it is. Rico Lamit, the dopest dad on the street, signing off. And remember, when life gives you no place else to turn, you can always turn up. Matthew St. Germain, glad to hear from you, man. What we got for today, man? Same thing as always, man. Change your breath, change your life. 
I love everybody out there. Thank you. Colgate strips.